Morning, everyone. It's good to be back in God's house. Good to see a bunch of lovely faces, smiling and all tentative, ready to listen to what God's Word says to us. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Second uh, Peter chapter 3 is where we're going to take uh, our new message series that we're jumping into is called Missionaries. Leslie just showed the video. It's an awesome uh, opportunity for this time of year for us to uh, think back, and it's coming on Thanksgiving season. We're going into uh, a season of thankfulness to God for things he's done in our life and allowed us to uh, have this last year, uh, a season of Thanksgiving. And we need to be thankful for the missionaries that's willing to go around the world and spread the good news of Jesus, amen, that he speaks uh, of so often in Scripture. Uh, if you look... In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, I want us to look at this verse, and this is going to be the uh, continued verse that we're going to use throughout this uh, missionary series, and just looking that uh, for God to speak to us today through his word. So if you have that, uh, please mark that down. If you're taking notes, if you're taking mental notes, uh, say it over and over and over again inside of your mind. They say if you say something eight times, maybe you got a better chance at forgiving it or memorizing it, not forgetting it. Sorry. So, Second Peter three nine, uh, and if you have your phone, you can go in there and punch a note to look it up that way on your uh, cell phone. If you've got a smartphone app that's got a Bible, you can look it up on there and click on that. You can actually highlight it and all that different stuff. There's Blue Letter Bible's my favorite. If you're looking for an app to try to read on your on your phone, uh, Blue Letter Bible's free app. It's awesome. You can track your reading. You can look for concordances and all different types of stuff. It's a big aid to help you in studying God's Word. Second Peter 3, 9. Let's stand as we read this one verse. Uh, and hopefully... Prayerfully, God will speak to us today. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. Think about this, that Peter was writing this down in the first century A.D. after Jesus had came and lived for 33 and a half years, most say. And uh, Jesus was one of his uh, favorite acquaintances. He's mentioned so many times in the gospel. And here it is that Jesus told them and he was going to return and receive them back to himself. That's what he told them in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus ascended. And here people had begun to say that the Lord was slack concerning his promise. That he, Everybody's been saying for years, you know, Jesus left. That's been 30 years ago. He, he still hasn't came back. So everybody started saying like Jesus wasn't going to come back. And how many for us in our society... People will hear that. They'll, they'll say, well, you know, I've been hearing that Jesus is coming back forever, right? The Lord's slack concerning his promise. He's, he's not faithful to his word. But let's look at this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. So the reason Jesus hasn't came back is to give you more time. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus has given you more time. Amen. Jesus is giving us more time. The Father is long-suffering toward us, and thank God for that, that he uh, doesn't give up on us. He's not willing. This is my favorite part. I've got it underlined in my Bible. It's been underlined for years. This is the original Bible that, I, that I'm reading out of right here that I started with when I got saved. I've got Bibles everywhere, but this one I really like. It's tore all the pieces. If you want 
notes and stuff all over it. I have this verse underlined. I love this verse when I first got saved. It says that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Look at your neighbor and say, all. That's a lot. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for this verse. Lord, we thank you for the missionaries that will be with us next week. Lord, help us to uh, be energized, to be energetic. Lord, whenever they come next week, and Lord, that we would just inspire the missionaries. Lord, that we would be able to uh, host them with excellence. And God, just help Bethesda to be a church uh, that reaches out to them, that loves on them. Lord, that we cherish our missionaries. And God, that we would continue to pray for them, that we would continue to give towards their mission, towards the mission that they have. And, Lord, that you would just help us today in this place. Awaken our heart. Awaken our mind. Let us be attentive to your word. God, speak to us in this place today. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says amen. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The word all is all-inclusive. As Peter is writing this down, he was looking from his little position that he was in when he was writing these epistles back to the churches that he had gone and birthed and planted in different regions. Uh, Peter was a guy that loved passionately. He, uh, When he was with Jesus, he would always speak up when Jesus would ask questions. He was always at the front in line whenever trouble come Jesus' way, even at the point of where Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and all the disciples fell asleep and Jesus got on them a couple times and, and isn't that just like us that Jesus catches us asleep not attentive to what we should be attentive to when he calls on us and Jesus come to them and he told them couldn't you wait with me one hour the, but the time has come and, and you know the story in, in, in the gospel where that uh, the high priest brought in and, and was going to take Jesus into captivity and was getting ready for the crucifixion and as they're standing in the garden of Gethsemane the uh, high priest uh, had the guy there and, and he went to take Jesus and Peter drew his sword and cut the guy's ear off he's willing to fight for Jesus right he's willing to die for Jesus and Jesus told him put up your sword told him not to fight that type of battle he told Peter to be still Peter still follows him and gets close when Jesus is in the, in the uh, courtyard there and he's getting beat Peter's still real close by and we know the story of where he swears uh, Peter swears an oath. He, he cusses and says, I don't know Jesus. When it comes to crunch time, where are we going to stand? So this is years and generations later of people that have come and gone, and, and Peter's writing back to the churches he planted, and he's telling them that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but it's not God's will that any should perish. And that's some uh, big words to be using. Uh, that's some... If you're going to include everybody and say that it's not God's will that any would go to hell, that's a lofty task. Amen? That's a big assignment. So Peter knows his assignment now, and he's, he's telling the church that don't worry about it because Jesus hasn't come back yet. The reason he hasn't come back is, yet is because he's given you more time. Because we need more time. And here we are 2,000 years later, and, and we're, we're living on planet Earth, the, still, the same Earth that they lived on. And here we are uh, 2,000 years later, and 
people have, have repopulated the earth. There's a lot more people on the planet today than there was then. And if you think about it uh, in terms of, of uh, uh, people alone, just the number of people. i got to move this or I'll trip when I come down here. Mine was definitely heavier. It's, I was a girl today, and the girls won, and Leslie gave it away. She's a girl even. That's like, wow. So, so Peter's telling, you know, and there's a lot. Where do you say that all? There's not God's will that any should perish, but it's his will is for all to come to repentance. And it's just amazing to me to think about him writing that because in our world today, what would we think if, if I, what would you think today if I was telling you as pastor that it's not God's will, and we all like wills, right? You, you want to be left in the will, right? You, you, somebody, I don't know, maybe you're sitting beside your neighbor that's your dad or grandpa or uncle or somebody, and you think, man, just leave me in the will, right? Leave, leave me something, whatever it is. And we know what a will is. Right? We know what a will is. Cubs sat back there, yeah, I know what a will is. I'm getting it all. <laughs> Better watch out, Michelle. He's he's gonna edge you out. You gotta watch out. Oh, legal guardian, that gone, Cub. You're in trouble, man. She'll spend it well for you. Uh, <laughs> but we know what a will is, and usually whatever upon a time that you know that we leave this earth or uh, we leave this temporal body that we're in, that we we you should leave a will. I believe leaving a will is, is wisdom. I believe it's something that uh, should be done. If you don't have one, please go get one. Uh, and you can write me down if you want. No, no I'm just kidding. Uh, I do that all the time with my guys sign them up at work because on all the pension benefits and the health and welfare fund and all that, we'll be going over it and telling them. And I say, now the beneficiary, and they'll be like, beneficiary, what's that? They're, you know, young kids, they don't know. I say, just write my name down there. That'll be fine, you know. <laughs> It'll be, be perfect. Um, and then when they find out what it is, they're like, no, I'm going to leave that to my wife. I said, well, yeah, maybe she's more important to me to you. I don't know. That'd, that'd be good. There's a lot of people in the world. And it's God's will. So this is God's will of what he wants done after Jesus left. This is what he wants accomplished. And if we look at it in that perspective, that this is Jesus' will to his disciples. That's amazing. I don't want anybody to perish. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I want everybody, all, to repent. That is a big task to leave with 12 measly little disciples. But if you look back then, that Jesus started with his 12, and he, he also had others. He, sometimes he sent out 70, and there's, there's times that the Bible speaks about that he had, you know, 500 showed up on, on that day in Acts 1, that 120 stayed in the upper room. There's all kinds of numbers about disciples, and we don't want to get into uh, specifics about any of that, but Jesus didn't have a lot of people. There was a few. There's times that 5,000 would come and sit down, but then whenever the going got tough, they would leave. they just come for the benefits, right? So there's, there's often times, but, but really he left 12 individuals, his 12 disciples, in charge and gave them a mission in, in Matthew chapter 28. He told them to go into all the world and preach the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he's explaining to them and giving them the mission of what to do. And missionaries is people that have been commissioned. We just come out of a, a, 
a series a few weeks ago called Co-Mission. And, and this whole year, every sermon series we've done has had the word mission in it. Permission and different ones. That this year is a year of mission for Bethesda, that we need to understand our mission. So if we understand the mission, we need to know what is God's will. How many's ever wondered that? Well, I wonder what God's will is, right? You, you've uh, asked that question, I'm sure. Well, well, yeah, that could happen if it's God's will, right? We, we say that all the time. Well, if it's God's will, this will be either that will be. And that's the way we really need to talk, and Scripture even tells us that, to, to say if it's God's plan. But here we truly see a picture of it in exact terms of exactly what God's will is. And it's amazing to me that God wants everybody saved. We know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever would believe on him, but perish have everlasting life it's an amazing verse isn't it but that was God's will that he was willing to give up his son to inherit so many more sons and it even talks about that in the epistles that, that by giving one and it's like planting a seed in the ground that you can take one little grain of corn and plant it in the ground and it comes up and it becomes a stalk and where the stalk continues to grow and you get water and you get sunshine and you get all these different things happening that, that it happens that an ear of corn will come out on that stalk and now this one little seed has become a whole ear full of seeds and then when they fall on the ground they'll replenish that much more and then it just grows and grows and grows. The, it's exponential. It just continues to grow. Because the power of the seed. Think about Jesus, that God gave his son and planted a seed in the earth just in the death, burial, and resurrection perspective of, of when Jesus resurrected, he gave us power. And the Bible even says that that same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead is within us. Amen. Think about that kind of power that can bring somebody out of a grave even, that make them come back alive. And that's what it is in our life as a Christian today. We have that kind of power. That sort of power, the dunamis, it's a dynamite, it's an explosive power. That's the term, if you go back into Greek, it's dunamis, the word power. That you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and he gives you power to be a witness to the world. It's amazing. But this missionary series, and it's looking at it from that, that we know God's will is for all to be saved, all to come to repentance. And I begin to think about how many people is in the world. How many people do you think lives on the planet? Seven billion. Wow, Cubby's been reading. Anybody else want to get any closer? He's real super close. No, <laughs> you need to be partial. <laughs> it's actually 7.3 billion, somewhere there about in the current state right now. 7.3 billion people. And we know God's will that all of them would repent. Every one of them. That's a big task. So then we got to decide and decipher, okay, if there's 7.3 billion people on the planet, how many of them are truly saved or truly believe in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus and they, they have committed their life to him, they've given their, uh, given their life to him and, and asked for forgiveness of their sin, that they've been washed clean by the blood of Jesus, how many of those people? And if we go back and study and do a bunch of statistics and stuff, you'll see if you study online, they'll say that there's about 2.4 billion people on the planet that attend church. That's a good number, right? Out of 7.3 billion, 2.4 billion attend a church. 
But can I tell you that by attending church doesn't make you a bit more than a Christian than going out and standing in your garage makes you a car? Just saying. Anybody can come to church, but just coming to church doesn't make us Christian. Does it take on Christian characteristics? And do, will we change our actions? Will we come different? Yes, I believe we will. Because I really believe that your environment is, is, is uh, uh, it produces things in your life. I believe it's important. And if you're just coming and you're not a Christian yet, you're perfectly fine. Just keep coming to church. I'm not trying to talk people out of coming to church. Please keep coming. Even if you've not committed yet. Even if you've not come to that place to say that I had a salvation moment. I loved it last week when uh, somebody in the room posted on Facebook and said, I had a salvation moment today. Baptized years ago, believed in Jesus all this time, but during last week's service in this room said, I had a salvation moment. How awesome is that? I love those moments, amen, where that we can feel that the presence of God is changing us and equipping us from the inside out, that the, actually the Holy Spirit is doing a work that's deeper than we thought possible. That's what salvation is. Believing in Jesus, trusting in Jesus, giving our lives to Jesus so that he is Lord. But here Peter, for missionary, 7.3 billion on the planet, 2.4 attend a church. And really, if you look at statistics, it'll tell you that just over 1 billion are truly people that believe in Jesus, trust Jesus, or accept him as Lord, been water baptized, and trust him to go to heaven. So for 7.3 billion on the planet, and only really about 1 billion of them are truly uh, blood-bought disciples of Jesus, that means that God's will is not finished. Right? There's 6 billion people on the planet that needs to hear about Jesus. And if you... Our missionaries that are coming are awesome next week. I, I truly encourage you, if, get to every one of the, the things we're doing. On Friday night, it's a real... Uh, laid back type of atmosphere where you can sit and you can talk to them. It's just going to be an atmosphere. It ain't like coming to church and they're going to stand up and preach. You You can sit and speak to them one-on-one -on -one, uh, at 6.30. Come at 6 o'clock. They'll be here at 6 o'clock. But we're going to start doing like a little round robin thing at 6.30. And you can meet them one-on-one, -on -one, talk to them, ask them questions. Think about some questions you'd like to know. If you're wondering about what it's like on the island of the Philippines, next Friday night there will be a young couple there that are truly dynamic. Uh, they was on Philippines and, and went there just to get a Bible degree, but God called them while they was there because they seen all these orphan kids that, that had no food. How many's ever griped about school lunch in America? How many griped because Michelle Obama fouled up our school lunch, right? No good for nothing. Sorry, Michelle Obama messed up our school lunch. That's the way we are in America. We're kind of spooled like that. Whenever they got over there to go to this Bible college, they went out into the streets and they began to see at lunchtime that there's these kids that come out of school that just run everywhere because there's no lunch at school at all. Every kid in the Philippines, when they come, I learned this one of our admissions commissions a few years ago, as the kids would come out, they would come out in the street and the kids that didn't have a home to go to, they was orphaned, would live in the street and live off of stuff. They didn't have anywhere to go get lunch. The kids that had a family actually went back home and ate at home. So whenever Kent got finished with his Bible degree, he's like, okay, it's time to go back to America and let's go pastor a church or something. But then he looked and he said, because the whole time they had been feeding these kids at their house. So now there's, I don't know how many churches, I can't wait to hear from him next week because I haven't seen them since they left here in 2012. 12 or 13, thereabout. They go on four-year missions and come back for a year to raise more money to go again. 
I haven't seen him since. I'm anxious for him to get here next week to say, because they are planting house churches where that they get people that can help others that through the church, and our church gives every month, we send money to Kenton Page. Kenton Page gives it to people out in the community in the Philippines, and then they feed kids. Isn't that awesome? That we can reach little homeless, orphaned kids in the Philippines and sit right here in our comfortable padded pews and do just that? That's awesome, right? We got that opportunity to do that. I love that, that, that God equips us to be able to do the impossible. It seems impossible that we could take a dollar from here and get it around the world. It, it just blows my mind. Kent Page will be here next week. So out of that $6 billion, we're reaching some of those in the Philippines. We've got missionaries, really, uh, all around the world, and some of them we can't even name because we're recording this, and, and there's, there's hostile nations that we send people to. And when they go, actually, whenever the missionaries stay, uh, the ones that stayed with uh, Greg and Donna a few years ago at their house, you can't even mention the country that they're in because if the country finds out and catches them that they're a missionary, they'll, they'll kill them. It's just amazing to me that we can be so comfortable in our Christianity and we get up and come to church and, and you know, come in here and we just come in freely and greet and welcome. Hi, how are you? And pat on the back and just treat you really well. I'm glad. Thank you to the people that uh, do that welcome team and, and help all that to happen. But over there in some of those countries, if they even have a church service, if they even have a church service, they got to go hide in a basement somewhere and lock the door. There's no welcome sign. There's no... None of that stuff. It's got to be enclosed behind doors, secretive. And here we look, but it's God's will that those six billion here, that's God's will. Is that that's six billion that's never. And a lot of us think, well, you know, with today's technology and media and stuff, why not just send out a big tweet and maybe that'll go around the world? Those foreign governments like China. Their whole internet, Darren knows this, he's kind of a tech kind of guy. They, they manipulate the system where the certain kinds of information can't come through and penetrate their walls, firewalls in the computer system. So it isn't like we can just get on Facebook and say, uh, hey, there's a Jesus out there, and hey, all you guys that live in Iraq, there's a Jesus, and you need to believe in him. They need to see a person there, an individual, a human being, because it's the only way it'll ever get through the firewall. We can't get there electronically, but we can't get there in person. So I thank God that there's people willing to go, ain't you? Amen? That there's people that'll sell it all. At one couple a few years ago, um, was, well, it's them. They gave up their dog. They had their dog with them. They was going around, and, and whenever they was raising money to go to this country that they wasn't even allowed to go to, they, they had their pet dog. They love dogs. How many loves your dog? I, oh, Lord, look at Sean. Whew. John loves his dog. Don't go to his house because his dog, it's like 900 pounds and that tall, and it thinks it's one of them little lap dogs. You go up there and sit down, and it gets up on you. I got a picture of me up there on his couch in his basement, to, and the thing's like over top of my head, and it's sitting up on my lap and about to break my leg. We love our animals. We love Dutch's. Amy and Jason's dog. I, I, I love dogs. Le Leslie loves Jake and Zoe. Even though, don't come to our house because they'll, they'll mow you down. They was Ryan and Elizabeth there last night, and, and Jake come through here and done a big dive bomb, about knock Ryan down. Ryan should, he's going to have to eat more. Um, but this family came, and, and, and they was pastoring a church, things pretty comfortable here in America. And God speaks to the wife, speaks to the daughter, speaks to the husband, 
and calls them and says, there's a work for you to do and I'm going to open a door for you to go be a missionary. That's not comfortable. Because then they had to start selling all their stuff. They sold their car. They sold everything. They was driving somebody else's car, a borrowed car. They, they, they was living like a vagabond, just going around and living in whoever's house they could, whenever they could. And they still kept their dog, though, because they loved their dog. And come down to the end of the day, whenever they get on the plane to take off to go to the foreign country, they had to wait right up to the moment, and then they gave their dog away. And my grandma... Francis attends here. If you take her dogs, <laughs> I dare you go down there and try it. You'll get shot. <laughs> Don't go down Garrison trying to take her dogs. She loves her dogs. She cherishes her dogs. It's kind of something to me that, that we have become a society that thinks more of our animals. And I love dogs. I'm not putting animals down. I love Meow Meow, the cat that left us a few years ago. I, I love Oscar when I come in and he's standing there waiting on me. <laughs> my treats you know I, I love that but we how much emphasis and how much do we give into them versus what we do for the six billion people that's never heard the word Jesus see what I'm saying it's, it's about priorities where's our priorities according to God's will now I'm not telling you to neglect your cat or dog because I, I believe that somebody that hits or beats or kicks or, or I, I don't believe in that amen I don't believe you should hurt your animals like that. Now, I'll whoop Jake pretty good sometimes, but that's about it. All it takes for me to unbuckle my belt, and he knows it's time to go sit on a chair. It's over. I've played long enough. Dad's mad. He, he figured that out. So I'm not telling you to harm your animal. I'm just telling you to love people more. I'm telling you to put priority on human beings that Jesus Christ came to give his life for and I believe animals will be in heaven. How many believes that? Animals will be in heaven. I really believe that. Scripture says the lion will lay down with the lamb. There's all kinds of scriptures that talks about heaven that animals are there. I, and I'm, I'm grateful for, heaven, for animals. I, I can't wait to get there and see Mork again someday. That was my childhood dog that I had when I was a kid. But the priority is Jesus died for people. So in missionaries, in this sermon series, I want us to see that God is telling us it's not his will for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So out of 7.3 billion, 1 point something billion, 1.123, somewhere thereabout, if you do the numbers, and it's hard to know that. You can't know that exactly of who's saved and who's not because it's not my job to tell you who is. Right? That's not our job. That's God's job. He's the only one that's going to be standing at them gates, and they say St. Peter's going to be there when you walk up the gate. I think it's going to be God, according to Scripture. Peter don't have the keys of the kingdom, the keys of the gate. It's God that has that. It's only his right to tell you whether you go to heaven or not. The Bible says to accept his son as your Lord and Savior and be baptized and do these things, and you shall be saved. It's pretty simple. Everybody makes salvation something hard, but it's really simple. Amen? I want a simple salvation so that we don't have to make it complicated and hard. Just trust Jesus with your life and tell him that he's the Lord of your life and believe in him that he died for your sins and you'll be saved. It's as simple as that. But these missionaries, it's crazy. Like one million out of seven, so six billion people that don't know Jesus. And there's certain countries, and, and there's missionaries of, uh, a few years ago. Back, there's, a, there's a movie on YouTube. You can look it up. It's called End of the Spear. If you've never seen this movie, it's a pretty good little documentary-type movie. It's called End of the Spear. It's an actual movie they've done a few years ago. 
but it's about these missionaries that went to Ecuador and whenever they went, went to Ecuador they got they had pilot's license and they flew in and this was a region way up in the river and in the jungle and there's these tribes and as they would go there was unreached people group never no civilization has ever reached these people because when you go you get killed and these missionaries they decided that it's worth it for me to fly in there and land on this beach on this river and to talk to these people because I want them to hear about Jesus that six billion is worth it that's what a missionary is is somebody that says I'm willing to lay down my life for the good news of the gospel to reach people that won't hear unless I go that's a big task and they take off and they fly in there and, and it's these three or four guys and as they land their plane they begin to talk and, and actually the tribe people they come out of the woods and they're sneaking around trees and stuff and they've actually got video, the video footage was, was documented because as these missionaries went they took these camcorders with them and they watched this happen they took their camcorders. They was watching this tribe. The tribe comes out. They sneak around. They didn't have clothes on or anything. They didn't know. This is an unreached people group. And as they're coming out of the woods, they're, they're talking to them, and they're trying to make a way that they can connect with them and talk to them and, and, and using different things, communicate with them, and then the tribe's people leave. So the missionary's like, okay, they'll, they'll be back in a little bit or something. Maybe they're going to, you know, are we going to trade them something or whatever because they'd been doing that through the plane, dropping stuff and picking stuff up. Later in the evening, the tribe's people comes back out, and they'd never seen white people before. And they come back out, and they slay all four of these missionaries on the spot. They tear the plane apart. They tear the video cameras up. They completely dismantle the stuff because they didn't know anything about murder's not right because they had an animalistic approach to life to think the only thing I can do is protect what I've got because somebody else is trying to take it. If you'd grew up there, you'd be the same way. Amen? I'm glad I was born in the United States of America with the freedoms that I have. But sometimes my approach to life is it's not a reality. Not everybody's been born with the chances we've had. These people end up killing these missionaries, but the Bible says that God puts eternity upon your heart. He writes eternity upon your heart. And he does give us a conscience. Amen? A godly conscience. Conscience means with knowledge. God gives us a knowledge that there's a better way, that there's a heaven, that there's an afterlife. I don't care what civilization you go to, you'll hear about them talking about afterlife and, and you see the pyramids and all the different things. These people didn't know. Killed a missionary. It winds up, another missionary goes back and follows again. Can you imagine going into a place that another missionary just died and saying it's worth it for me to go because maybe I'll have a chance? You know why? Because it's not God's will that they're not here. That's taking it. That's becoming real. We was riding in a truck a few years ago with Amy and Earl Brown and Landon and Nat and Nat was in there with us and driving down the road and you know how kids are. They'll fight back and forth and, and uh, Landon was doing something and he hit and Earl got him and then the next thing you know Landon starts crying and that's making fun and, and then it just it goes chaotic it's like oh no I don't like being around I like being around your families and stuff but I, in those moments I really don't you know that's not the place for pastor to be at that moment in time but that looks over and says boy because everything got real quiet it's just like eerie like what's going to happen next and that said it got real in here <laughs> it's like that's what just happened in here 
It gets real whenever it becomes a reality that we understand it from the perspective of the way God looks at it. The 30,000-foot view, if you want to call it that. The view where God sees earth and sees 7 billion people and saying, I planted my son in the earth so that all 7 billion can be saved. And now all I need is for my church to send people to go and pray for people or, or give towards the mission to help people go. So there's these three things. I think every Christian on the planet today, if you're a Christian, a true blood-bought, born believer of Jesus Christ, you're a missionary. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a missionary. If you're a Christian, you're a missionary. I really believe that. But there's only three ways to be a missionary. There's those missionaries that go. That's the ones that actually get on a plane, sell their dog, sell their house, sell their car, take their wife and kids and go somewhere. That's to the unreached people group that it's just wild. There's another form of a missionary. Those are those missionaries that send. And in all of Scripture, if you look through all the New Testament, Paul writes back to the Philippian church, and he's got all these Gospels. You know there's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all these different churches as he's writing back to these epistles, these letters back to these churches he's planted. But he's only writing back to one of them, Philippians, to say, you were the only ones that gave to me in my time of necessity. You're the only church because Paul would plant a church and then go on. He would go plant another one somewhere else in another town. And as he went, the last church would send him again. And he wrote back and he told the Philippians, you're the only one that sent to help me in my time of need. You're the only church that helped a missionary. So there's a sending missionary. He said, and he told him, he said, the same reward that I will get for going, you will receive in your account for sending. The same exact blessing that I'll receive for going, you'll receive for sending. That's awesome, right? That we can give to a missionary and I can take a dollar out of my wallet and put it in one of those little blue envelopes and write on it, Kent and Page Parish. If that's where you want to, if you want to give specific to one missionary, it's not the big, you can do it as a group, but you can do it individually too. If God puts it on your heart to, to give to one of them, then do it. But it's amazing to think about that you can do that on one of those little blue envelopes. It comes in here, gets accounted, goes in our checkbook, and we ship it out at the end of the month to go automatically in their account. And by the next month, it's in their hands on the mission field. And that God will bless you for sending just as much as he blesses them for going. Isn't that amazing? But that's the God we serve. We all have a calling. What is that calling? What is that place? What's our role in missions? In 1914, the Assemblies of God, 300 missionaries, 300 pastors of churches, planted these little churches. And in 1914, they got together in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and they said, we are convening our mission here. Our whole reason for making, they didn't want a new denomination because the church didn't, the world don't need no more denominations. That's what they said. We don't want to be in another denomination. We want to be a missions organization. The Simmons of God, the reason we're Simmons of God today is because they wanted to be a missions organization. And 300 pastors got together and they said, let's be the greatest mission-minded group that the face of the planet has ever saw. And here we are, 100 years later, this is 1914, here we are in 2017, and now those 300 individuals' decision that day to form this group to send missionaries, that was their only purpose was to send missionaries. The only reason there's a Simmons of God church is to send missionaries. And by sending those missionaries, now there's 68 and a half million people around the globe that are assembly of God. Some of them, they sent missionaries to Brazil. Those churches begin to flourish and, and grow up and become strong, and they begin to send missionaries to other places. 
Remember the talking about the seed and the corn? Just because it grows into ear doesn't mean you eat the whole ear. I grew up poor. And I remember my dad saying in the middle of the winter, you go out there in that tater bin and whenever the taters begin to get low out in the cellar, anybody know what I'm talking about? You get down to the bottom, you got to save those seed taters. You know why? Because you're going to plant them next year to get more taters. I know it's potatoes, but it's okay. You got to save the seed, right? That's the way of churches. There, I, I thank God that uh, the, the two little, three little ladies got together in 1996 and said, you know what, in the, in the, in the Lewis County area, there's, there's these churches here, but none of them's really missions-minded. None of them really does missionaries. There's one church, downtown Vanceburg, got mad. One of the board members got mad a few years ago because the church gave $25 that year to missions. Usually Bethesda gives out between thirteen and sixteen thousand dollars a year to missions. It's over twenty percent of our budget goes to missionaries here, because I believe in it wholeheartedly. I know we got to keep the lights on and paint the walls and do retop blacktop do stuff like that, but we believe in missions that much because it's that important. Because that's God's will. It's not because it's what I want. It's what God's will is. So it's just amazing that those 300 has become 68.5 million. But just think about it. If all 68.5 million would have the same passion for missions the way those first 300 did. Wow. What could we accomplish today? What about this missions conference coming up next week? What if we could come in here empowered to know that there's those that go, those that send, but the most important one, I really believe this, that the most important function for missionaries is those that intercede those that pray and I'm, I've never done this before we've never talked about missions before the missions convention before because I want the missionary I give them the mic and they can say whatever they want I, I, I bring them here I, I, I get them here and I just let them interact with you but this, this time this year is the first year ever that I want to prepare you for them to come and you watch and see what I'm telling you next week whenever you talk to them every one of them is going to say man not all of you can go I'm telling you, mark my words. All I'm going to say, not all of you can go. Not all of you can afford to send. Not everybody's got enough extra money to send. We understand that. But they said, the most important thing I need is prayer. Every missionary I've ever met at any missions conference, they'll say, man, I'll be glad if you can partner with us and send us. I'll be, I'll be glad if you can make financial contribution to help us get there to pay for the plane ticket and pay for the meals and pay for everything to get us there. But what we need the most is your prayer. And I can assure you that if you get in contact with one of these missionaries and God puts them on your heart and you make a connection, that God gives you an earthly connection with them, that you say, wow, those people are awesome because they are. If you will ever connect with one of them and you'll be laying in your sometime throughout the next four years as they go away on their mission to go wherever they're going for four years as they do that as they're going away that you'll be laying there in the bed some night and you know there's restless times in America because we get so restless because our mind can't go to sleep and we're entertained so much and, and we wake up and we think well I'll just get on Facebook a little bit and, or I'll, I'll just get on Twitter and tweet a little bit or I'll get on Instagram and shoot a couple pictures or I'll Snapchat a few people or I'll do this or that and we're sitting there amen it's what we do when we can't sleep what if we would wake up and prayer would hit our heart to say, I'm going to intercede because Kent and Paige is out there somewhere around the world, and, and I don't know that they're going back to the Philippines. I don't think they are. They're going to a different country from what I'm reading. 
And I can't wait to see them again next week when they come. But whenever they get here, that they would connect with you in such a way that you would have a passion for them. And whenever you'd wake up and can't sleep, that you would shoot them a message and say, God has me woke up right now. It's 2.30 in the morning, and I'm praying for you. I'm telling you, that's more important than $5 hitting their bank account. I promise you. I don't know about you, but if you've ever received a message from somebody, and I try to do this from time to time, I get on Facebook and send people messages throughout the church and say, hey, I love you. <laughs> Pastor Ben loves you. Leslie and I love you. Because I want to be encouragement to you. I want you to know that I'm praying for you, that I cherish you, that you're important to me and you're important to God. And I love it when I get those in return. I love it when it's just in the blue that somebody will text me or send a message and say, Pastor Ben, we love you. It encourages me. I don't know about you, but it encourages me. It'll lift me up. If I'm in a molly grubs beating myself up against the head thinking this is bad, whenever somebody says it, it's like, wow, yes. This really matters. What I'm doing really matters. Kenton Page, amazing thing with them. I remember a few years ago, well, last year, uh, Brandon Caseman, Dusty's brother Brandon, they had a little baby, a little limb. I don't even know how you spell that. It's like a limb, but not a limb. You say limb like a limb of a tree, but it's something else. It's named something else. But you just say limb, they'll know what you're talking about. Um, little limb was born. And, and I went up to see them in the hospital, and they're pretty protective. I mean, they'll let their kids run wild and stuff like that, but they're pretty protective. And the doctor told them, said, well, for six weeks, you need not take your kids around public because infections and different things. And, and they didn't. They didn't come to church for six weeks. Did I get on them being like, man, you're really missing church. You awful parents, you, you ought to grow your kids up in church. You ought to have them there week one. I didn't say that. That's what the doctor tells them. That's what they prayed about, and that's what they seek in their heart. The Bible says work out your own soul salvation. You can't work out Pastor Ben's salvation. You've got to work out your salvation. And they didn't bring him for six weeks, and I, I applaud them for that. They love their babies. Little Brantley, he knows a word. You got one word. Yep. <laughs> Most kids, you see, they learn no first. I, Brantley's going to be special, I'm telling you, because everything you ask, hey, Brantley, what are you doing? Yep. <laughs> Every other kid you talk to, the first word they speak, he's a mama or dad, dad, or whatever. Poor little Brantley. Yep. <laughs> and he says it real loud, too. It's awesome. So the next time you see him in here, just ask him something. He'll say, yep, I promise you. It's awesome. But they didn't bring him. But here, Paige this, had this baby just recently. It's like in the last three or four weeks. It's less than a month old for sure. She has this little baby. And whenever that happens, I'm like, well, Ken will come to the missions conference because they've scheduled to come, you know. They're going to be here next week. And, but she gets on our, on our message, on our uh, Facebook uh, missions conference page, and she posts on there, we... W.E. will see you in a few weeks. She's going to bring that baby to Bethesda. Isn't that awesome? But here's what I want to ask you. I know you love babies and everything, but if doctors say six weeks for their immune system, don't go up there sneezing on that baby. <laughs> Amen. Just look at your neighbor. Give him a good little pat on the back. Or give your neighbor a little pat on the back. Say, but be careful of that baby. All right? It's good to look at it and go, ooh, goo, goo, ah, ah, whatever. But just let him be. 
If you want a baby, there's other ones around. There's other little fellas around there. Get Laney or get Carver or get some of them. There, there's other babies around there. Get Alex up if you can get a hold of her. She's usually pretty skittish. Hanging on the <laughs> Amy's leg. I did go over to their house the other night, and uh, little Alex came over and brought her coloring book and, and all that, and I got to call her a whole page with her. It was pretty awesome. She told me, when I was getting there, I got my, I always, Pastor Joe told me to always carry ink pen. My pastor, Pastor Joe Gardner, said always carry ink pen, so I usually, 99% of my life, you, if you need ink pen, I'll, I'll have one. Uh, he told me that in ministry. I don't know what that's got to do with ministry. He said always carry ink pen, Pastor. So ever since, I've got an ink pen. And I, I sat down there, and I, I started to draw pictures, and I can't draw. I'm fairly like a stick man type thing. And, and I, I started drawing her name. I was writing her name out because she can do that. And she said, uh, draw a picture of Daddy. Okay. So I'm looking at Jason over there, and I'm trying to do the best I can, so at least it'll she'll say, well, that kindly looks like Dad, you know. And I draw him out, and, and she says, now draw me beside of him, and I want to hold his hand. Okay, so then I try to draw her, you know, her with a little dress on, a little cute dress and all this, and her hair flowing, just pretty little Alex, you know, and got her holding his hand, and, and then I, I, I show it to her, and she says, right, Jason loves Alex. Like, okay, so then I write Jason loves Alex, and then she says, okay, now draw Mommy over here, so then I have to draw Amy, and Amy's drawn pictures of us before, and hers looks a lot better than what mine looked of them, but anyway, I draw Amy, and then she says, okay, draw Ryan over here, so I draw Ryan, I get him over there, draw, and he's taller than Amy, I'm trying to make it, you know, halfway where it's believable, and then she goes over to show Amy, and Amy knocks my drawing, <laughs> acting like I left somebody out, and all along it was Alex's fault. Amy said, well, where's Brandon? So then Alex comes back over. Draw Brandon. Draw Bubby right here. And I said, okay. I'll draw a little, little short version of Brandon. Don't you love family? Jason's a miracle sitting here with us. The doctor said if he wouldn't have prayed and heard God to stay afterward and deal with the issue inside of his tummy, that he wouldn't have been there the next morning last Friday into Saturday morning. It's a miracle. Because somebody prayed. And what if we really believed that when we pray for a missionary that it would bring so much encouragement to them that they can walk out on that field the next day and do something they couldn't have done if somebody wouldn't have prayed? What if it's that important? What if it weighs on us that much? And what if we love the whole six billion, seven billion like we do our family? Alex loves daddy and daddy loves Alex too and that goes the same way any family in this room but what if we cherished the people in Iraq just as we do our sibling that's sitting beside of us what if we love the people in India with the little red dots on their head that believes in that their great grandma was a cow that's out there floating down that river what if we loved them just as much as we did my mom got to become a reality that everybody's important to God. That's his will. Let's see if you'll come. I apologize for going so long. But next weekend I don't get to preach, so you got two for one. Sorry. A lot of missionaries. There's a missionary named Lillian Thrasher that I had notes for. Uh, she was engaged and, and 
from Florida and back in the 20s I think it was that she was praying one day and she ended up in an orphanage home and working in an orphanage home in one of the Carolinas South Carolina North Carolina and she uh, God spoke to her and said call the engagement off you're going to be a missionary young girl the guy she was going to marry was going to become a preacher and she was going to be a pastor's wife and God said no Lillian Thrasher says okay next thing she knows she run into a missionary that was in Egypt she hears about these little orphans in a church service over in Cairo, Egypt and she didn't even raise money didn't go like missionaries do around church to church and asking for stuff she saved up a little bit of money and had enough money to get to place to get on a boat to go she barely scraped together enough to get on the boat to get to Egypt can you imagine an American showing up on the soil in Egypt probably not well received but she gets over and she hears about these orphans and she gets there and she starts and she's working for these missionaries and next thing you know there's some woman comes up and she gets sick and she got this baby and she can't feed it and her health is deteriorating and, and the mom ends up dying and, and Lillian's sitting there as a 20 year old girl with this baby this mother told her to take care of and, and she tries to take care of it and she can't winds up the missionary says we, we can't keep another mouth we, we can't afford it Lillian says I, what, I can't lay it out there on the sidewalk and she keeps this little baby and she leaves the missionaries even and she goes out and she keeps this little baby and she next thing you know God begins to send money in through Presbyterian churches all different type of churches begin to sponsor Lillian Thrasher's ministry and it's it's an orphanage it's still in Egypt today and there's videos you can go on YouTube and look up Lillian Thrasher if you want to see a, a picture of what a missionary can do they'll hear God and believe God when impossible things are in front of them there's videos of her in their 50s she had over a thousand orphans in her little colony that God had equipped her to do. Older girls, she taught them how to deal with the little babies. Whole orphanage, thousands of kids. Because she said, this is what God called me to do. Not this is what I want to do. It's what God called me to do. I believe everybody in this room is a missionary. I really do. Because it's his will for you to be saved. That's what it says. Everybody in this room, it's God's will that you're saved. You don't have to ask God, do you want me saved? He wants you saved, I promise you. He wouldn't write that in his Bible if it's not true. And if he wants you saved, he wants you to either pray, give, or go. That's our options. So by next week, whenever these missionaries come, I want you to just pray for them all week this week. Some of them, you might not even know them when you come in, but come down there. Friday night and meet them. But come with a heart of understanding there's six billion people that needs reached. And God's given us a chance to meet some people to do just that. There's short-term missionary trips that you can go on. We'll talk about that next week. Won't you stand? Simmons of God, it's all about missions. The reason we do this change in these buckets, who else is going to buy the Sunday school material for them little kids over in Egypt? That's what BGMC does. 
youth group takes up stuff called Speed to Light. It's what finances the vehicles. The youth in America buy the missionaries a car when they go on a mission field. <laughs> How amazing is that? And then the adults give to send to the adults. It's a team effort. It's church-wide. Those little babies down there, when they, it's not just change. Their change is changing the world. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes if you will. I just want to ask you a very simple question. Is there anybody here that will say, Pastor Ben, when you were speaking today and you was talking about those three forms of a missionary, I feel like that the Holy Spirit has spoke to me through his word today and he's told me that I need to either go give or to pray is there anybody here that'll say that's me I've, I've got to do one of them you don't have to do all three if it's just one amen hands all over the room thank you for those hands and if you don't know Jesus in this place today I'm just asking you very compassionately because I'm a pastor because I believe in this gospel message don't make the gospel complex. It's that simple that God wants you in heaven. And today you might need to make that decision to say, Pastor, I want to pray today. And I want to make things right with God. I want to walk out of this place because I can feel one of those salvation moments right now. There's people in this room that needs to pray prayer of salvation and walk out of this place today with one of those moments just like what spoke about last week is there anybody here who say pastor that's me I want to walk out of this place and I want to pray today because I want saved I want, I want a salvation moment amen one two hands any others there's another three is anybody else there's others here that needs that there's another amen there's another one there's another one Thank you, Jesus. It's not hard. Jesus did the work. All you got to do is accept it. That you can't make it to heaven without him, and you know it today. So I want everybody in this room just to pray this prayer with me. For those that you raised your hands, it don't matter whether you did or didn't. If God was knocking on your heart and you're thinking, I can't raise my hand, I can't let him know right now, I feel scared. If you pray this prayer, I'm telling you, salvation is this simple. According to scripture, this prayer of salvation is this simple. I ask to believe and confess. So all we're going to do is pray this prayer. I want everybody here to pray it so that nobody gets singled out. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, forgive me of my sins, of my faults, of my failures. Help me to understand your salvation. This moment, I know I'm going to make eternity my home with you in heaven forever. In Jesus' name, amen.